Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. To open up with me in your Bibles to the book of James chapter 5. The book of James chapter 5, we're going to continue our series this morning on the book of James. We're going to be looking beginning with verse 7. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. You may be seated. So, so far, James has really uh, laid the law down uh, to his readers. Uh, he's uh, told us that uh, we need to make sure that we are doers of the word and not just hearers. And he's told us that uh, we need to make sure that, you know, our, our actions match the faith that's inside of us. The genuine saving faith will produce actions and serving others. And he's told us to not esteem those who are rich above the poor and uh, that we need to make sure that, uh, that uh, you know, we're not showing favoritism. Uh, he's told us that we need to be humble and that humility is what uh, is the cure for, for uh, worldliness in our lives. And when we're, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, you know uh, as we live our lives, if we're living contrary to God's word, that humility and understanding who God is and understanding who we are, that that is what it, that it leads to reconciliation and being sorrowful and confession and, and uh, being forgiven and restored in our relationship with God. And, uh, this week, we're going to look at perseverance. Now, i got to tell you, this is tougher than what it sounds. It sounds pretty tough there, starting in verse 7. But let me kick it off here where he says, therefore, be patient. Now, my, my dad uh, used to joke um, that uh, the one thing that you never wanted to pray for was patience. Because God would take you up on it. Because what's the best way to teach patience? Put you in situations that require patience. Yep. Now, when James is talking about patience here in context, he's talking about being patient with people. Patient with people. He says, now, brethren, be patient with people. I think... Many times it's harder to be patient with people than it is to be patient in circumstances. Because there are people that just get on your nerves. Amen. There are people in our lives that are like sandpaper. 
There are people in our lives that annoy us. There are people in our lives who mistreat us. Maybe they're verbally abusive, right? Maybe they're uh, just simply uh, unkind uh, people, right? Uh, they're just not kind. They don't return your kindness that you've shown them, right? On the job, right? A supervisor who uh, doesn't treat you with respect, a supervisor who doesn't recognize your effort and who puts you down and is you know, criticizes you. You know, in life, your family member, your community, uh, you know, neighbor who puts you down for your faith because of your faith in Christ or because, uh, you know, that you serve God and that you don't serve men and that you don't always agree with what the world says is right. No matter what your circumstance is with people, we are commanded that we must be patient with them. Be patient until when? The coming of the Lord. He doesn't say be patient until they apologize. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say be patient until they ask for forgiveness. The kind of people that James is talking about here are the kind of people that never recognize that they're wrong. Amen. Right? The kind of people that James is talking about here are the kind of people that are never going to say they are sorry. Right? There are many people, and I have been one of them, who live their lives waiting for someone to say sorry. Waiting for that person to ask for forgiveness. Waiting for that person to acknowledge that they were wrong. I had a couple individuals in my life where I literally was bound in anger and frustration because I felt they owed me a sorry. They owed me an acknowledgement that they had wronged me. And what I learned over time was that I was never going to get that sorry. I was never going to get that acknowledgement that there was wrong. And so it came upon me to be patient and forgiving and understanding regardless of the actions or the words of those around me. And it is hard. It is tough. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Right? If it was easy, we'd all live in peace and harmony all the time because nobody would ever get upset or mad about anything. Right? But we are commanded by James. He instructs us to be patient with the people in our lives, specifically the people who mistreat you, who have wronged you. Who have taken advantage of you. When? Until the coming of the Lord. That means you may go to the grave with them annoying you. You may go to the grave without them ever acknowledging that they've done anything wrong. But yet we're still supposed to be patient with them. Why? See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. When a farmer plants, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm not any kind of a farmer. We had a garden growing up as a kid and my uh, little brother and I would have contests to see who could grow the biggest cucumber, right? Uh, or the most cucumbers. Uh, but honestly, I, I never was a farmer. Now my dad would keep a fairly large garden, actually almost as, uh, as big as this sanctuary. It was, it was a big garden. And um, 
I would watch him get out there, and, and when he was younger, he would plow and till it himself. As he got older, he would hire someone to, to till it, and it was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. The idea, though, being that your effort and your work would pay off in the end, mm -hmm. that there would be a harvest, right? And so James is saying you treat others with patience, you endure. Why? Because ultimately there's going to come a harvest that's greater than the suffering, that's greater than the annoyance that you're facing now. He goes on to say that just like the farmer is, uh, uh, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, he waits patiently for until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now listen, this is interesting. In Israel, the early rain fell in November, in the fall, before the ground was tilled before the uh, harvest was planted. Why? Because the early rain made the ground soft so that it was easy to plant your uh, food. And then they're waiting throughout, after planting their food, they have to wait patiently through whatever the weather holds, whatever the weather brings, whether it's dry or not. They now wait for their crops to grow and they're waiting for the latter rain. The latter rain is the rain that would fall in the spring, just before it was time to harvest, right? So there would be blessing up front, but after the time of blessing, there would be a time of waiting and endurance and patience as you waited for the latter rain, which indicated it was time for the harvest, right? Many of us give up between the uh, 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 the former and the latter, or, or between the early and the latter rain. That's right. We give up because the early rain falls. We've planted, and maybe there's some dry weather in between there. Everything's not perfect. We're not seeing the growth that we think we ought to see. We're got, having the patience that we're supposed to have with others and our circumstances. We're not living with patience because we're not looking forward to the harvest. It's very easy to get caught up in the work of farming without looking forward to the harvest. Now, I'm talking about that metaphorically. You, we in our lives... We, it is difficult for you and I to keep ourselves moving because we cannot see the end result. Mm -hmm. When the farmer plants his corn, when the farmer plants his grain, when the farmer plants whatever he intends to harvest, he plants it by faith. Yep. Believing that if he puts the seed in the ground by faith, that in however many months, he's going to reap the faith that he sowed at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Listen, don't allow the faith that you sowed at the beginning go to waste. Amen. Let the faith that you sowed at the beginning remain faithful to watering that seed, yes. to pulling the weeds, yes. to tilling and making sure that all the weeds are removed and the rocks are removed and that it's yes. watered and that it's fertilized all throughout as you watch it grow, understanding that your faith will come to culmination at the harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I have to tell you that 
I lose sight of the harvest. You plant things, and there's an ebb and flow to it in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Right? You plant in faith, and it looks like everything's going good, and then there's a drought. Yep. Right? And you go, well, I planted this in faith. There's this drought. God must be unfaithful. Right? Or maybe I didn't plant the right seeds. Lord knows I've asked myself that a number of times. God, did I plant in the right ground? Did I plant the right seeds? Did I plant what was right for that environment? Did I do what you told me to do? Was, was I actually uh, listening to you or was I going off on my own? Right? And you lose sight of the end goal. You lose sight of the harvest, the blessing of God. In our lives, our lives have cycles. We have cycles as it relates to our faith in Christ. We have times when we're up, but we have times when we're down. We have times when we're up, and we have times when we're down. But in all of that, we're to remain tethered to the Father. Amen. So that in the ebb and flow, we never give up hope. Right. Yes. But sometimes I get frustrated and I want to cut the cord. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. God, I don't see that you're doing what I trusted you to do. I don't see that you're doing what I felt that you promised me that you would do. And so therefore, I'm, I'm severing it. Mm. Why? Because I'm hurt. I didn't get my expectations met. Mm -hmm. But that's why the Bible says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above yes. all that we can ask or think. Yes. Because my expectations are that big mm -hmm. compared to an infinite God. Yes. And the Bible promises us that if we will plant in faith and remain faithful, that there will always be a harvest. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle. Yes. Okay? And the key is to not give up while you're waiting for the harvest. Right. To stop tilling the land, to stop watering, to stop fertilizing while you wait for the harvest to grow. Yes. But to keep your eyes on the future, to keep your eyes on what God has promised that he will ultimately deliver. It's tough, it's difficult, especially when you have circumstances in your life that hurt and people that have hurt you and the bad things that have happened that hurt you. It's hard to remain faithful. But if we'll remain faithful, there will always be a blessing at the end. Yes. He says in verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Mm -hmm. Again, what is he saying? He's saying, hold on, in spite of your circumstances, because Jesus is coming. Yep. Now, this is, this is a long time ago when James wrote this. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Right? You and I live every day of our lives as if Jesus is coming. Right. Amen. We're to expect him to come, because here's the truth. Our ultimate harvest will not be reaped on earth. It'll be reaped in heaven. The ultimate a blessing that God has for us won't come here on earth. We will be blessed. He promises blessings. He promises good things. But that ultimate blessing won't be fulfilled until we get to heaven. Amen. Yes. 
right? And so we need to be waiting and watching and looking forward with anticipation to when Christ returns and we're called up with him. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another and brethren, lest you be condemned. So when that person is wronging you, you are not allowed to go grumble about them to everybody else. I'm a grumbler. I am a grumbler. Ask my wife. I grumble, 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 grumble to her all the time. Now, she's helped me over the years with my grumbling. Early on in our marriage, I grumbled so much that I'm surprised she stuck around with me. Complaining about all kinds of people, right? This person did me wrong. This person did me wrong, right? I was, I was one of those people that wore my heart on my sleeve, as my dad would say, right? Uh, and I still do to some degree. Uh, but um, grumbling. But we're commanded not to talk bad about those who are treating us in an unfair manner. We're not supposed to grumble about them. Because it is on God and not us to judge. Not me and you. We don't decide their fate. It's not our job to convince others to dislike someone that's wronged us because we feel that they deserve what they're getting. They deserve to be mistreated. They deserve to be ostracized. They deserve to not be included because they've wronged us in some way. That's not our job as Christians. We are to pray for those who persecute us. Yes and bless those who would do us harm. Well, that's the opposite of the world. Right. That's the opposite of the world. We're to pray for those who persecute us and bless those who would do us harm. And we're not to grumble against one another. We're not to grumble against those who uh, try our patience. Why? Because the judge is standing at the door. Mm -hmm. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of the suffering and patience. Now, the prophets put up with a bunch of junk. Mm -hmm. They were mistreated. They were ostracized. They were, uh, you know, uh, uh, mocked. And they were ridiculed. Um, and yet, they remained faithful to God. There were prophets that had horrible things done to them by man. Yet, they remained faithful to God in spite of what they saw with their eyes and the way that they were treated. And you and I are commanded by James to look at the forefathers in the faith and see how they were treated and how they persevered. Now, when James is talking, he's talking about Isaiah. And he's talking about Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah, right? He's talking about Daniel. He's talking about those prophets, Micah and Obadiah. He's talking about all of them. But you and I have the benefit of not just having them, but also being able to look at the other fathers in the faith, like Paul and Peter and James and John, right? Uh, we get to look at these other fathers in the faith and see how they persevere in spite of what they were facing, in spite of circumstance, in spite of persecution. They persevered and they got their ultimate reward, which is to be in heaven with Christ. That's crown of everlasting life. Amen. Yeah. That ultimate reward. And so they are to be examples and an inspiration to us. Yes. Hebrews said, therefore, we are so surrounded by a, a yes. great cloud of witnesses. Those are the folks that have gone on before us 
who are cheering us on, who are to be the inspiration for you and I to keep moving forward because if they made it and God helped them through it, then I can make it because God's going to help me through it. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. If you endure, you'll be blessed. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and see the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job faced a lot. I mean, he had his riches all taken away from him. All of it. All of his possessions. He then had... His wife leave him. He had all of his children taken away from him. All for being a righteous man. He was attacked and he experienced more pain and suffering than most of us will ever experience in our lives. Not only did he have all of this physical suffering, the boils on his body, the loss of his family, the loss of his finances, his wealth, and all of his possessions. He had three friends, three buddies, that sat next to him, and instead of mourning with him, they accused him of sin. Right? So uh, this man was enduring some nastiness. All of the suffering, everything that he lost, Plus then, these three guys who were supposed to be his friends standing and accusing him of being unrighteous when Job knew he hadn't done anything wrong. Job, repent. Job, repent. Job, repent. Yet Job remained faithful to God in spite of everything that he faced and everything that he lost, in spite of those who, who were pushing on him and encouraging him to repent, his wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? He remained faithful to God. And in Job chapter 42, God restores everything to him that he lost. His wife came home. He got all of his uh, 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 cattle back. He got all of those things that had been taken from him. And it was more then than it was that he lost. He got more the second time than he lost the first time. He had seven, uh, ten children, seven sons, and three daughters. All of these things were restored to him because he remained faithful. Even when it's God testing you, hold on tight and know that if you are faithful during the testing and the trial, that there is blessing waiting for you at the end. And the Bible teaches us the blessing at the end will be greater than the blessing at the front. Yes. Hallelujah. Now when that blessing comes, that's up to God. Whether it's here on earth or it's up in heaven. But the bottom line is, is you are guaranteed that if you will endure, there is a treasure that is waiting for you. That God has set aside for you. To bless you with. Either here on the earth. Or when we finally make it to heaven. That's what we're to look forward to. That's what's to keep us moving forward. Is that hope that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. That hope. And Job held out hope. 
even though he didn't deserve anything to happen to him. He held on to God. He never let go of God. And God blessed him more in the latter half of his life than he was in the earlier part of his life. So we must look at Job. We must look at the prophets. And above all things, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you shall fall into judgment. When the, there was a practice by the Jews in that time where the only a technical binding promise that you could make was if you swore by God. Okay? There was a practice among the Jews that they would be crafty and they would swear by other things. Like we swear by the temple or by the altar. Or we swear by the moon and the stars, right? They would swear by other things. Why? Because the only binding oath was what? If you swore on God. Now, how many times have you and I made promises to God in the midst of pain and suffering that we never intended to keep when the suffering stops? That's what James is talking about here. Don't make false promises and resolutions of what you're going to do if God delivers you. I have negotiated with God a number of times. God, if you will get me out of this, I will never do X, Y, and Z again. And what the Jews were doing was they were making rash, irresponsible promises, negotiating with God with no intention of fulfilling those promises because the promise was only valid if you swore on God. You swear on the temple and the altar, it didn't mean anything. Jesus addressed this as well. So James says, let your yes be yes, and you know we know. If you're going to do it, do it. If you're not, keep your mouth shut and don't do it. So when you and I are suffering, we're in the midst of trials, and we're in the midst of facing folks who are unkind to us that are testing our patience, we are to hold on to God, and let our yes be yes and our no be no. Yes, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to hold on to you, God. And you don't have to make a promise or negotiate. Just live your life as if God is a part of it. Just trust that he's got it all in control. And don't try to negotiate your way out of it. But just trust him. That's what he's asking for. He's not looking for negotiators. He's looking at those who persevere. Right? Who call upon him and allow their yes to be yes and their no to be no. To follow him no matter what. Regardless of their circumstances. Let us stand. 
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.